Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and my back is killing me for some reason. (laughs) Anyway, today is Rogue News. Thought I'd do one. Um, So yeah, jump in the trenches with me. Let's go through all this junk. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or if you just want to say hello, all the links on how to reach me are down in the description below. Thank you so much. Okay, here we go. Politics is up first. Thousands attend the defeat the madness rally in Washington, D.C. So, crowds gathered in Washington, D.C. for Defeat the Madness Rally. Here's more. And they've decided just to do a whole lot of, like, just videos from OAN News. So I'm just gonna play the video. Crowds gathered in Washington, D.C. for a Defeat the Mandates rally. Here's more. I'm sorry, defeat the mandate. Thousands partake in a defeat the mandates rally as they fight for freedom in Washington, D.C. Firefighters, first responders, doctors, and several other groups from across the country marched in Sunday's event, which organizers called, quote, an American homecoming. This is not medicine. This is not care. These policies may constitute crimes against humanity. The rally was filled with musical performances and speeches from several renowned guest speakers who all continue to push back against the Biden administration's unjust vaccine and mask mandates. Dr. Robert Malone, who pioneered mRNA research, said the vaccines were developed during the original Wuhan strain of the virus and questioned whether mandates make sense for protecting the elderly or most vulnerable from the original virus is irrelevant. Regarding The genetic COVID vaccines, the science is settled. They're not working. They are not completely safe. These vaccines do not prevent Omicron infection, viral replication, or spread to others. Malone says the full nature of the vaccine's risks remain unknown, adding, quote, if there's a risk, there must be a choice. He says healthy children should not be subject to vaccinations and urge parents to get themselves informed. These genetic vaccines can damage your children. They may damage their brains, their heart, their immune system, and their ability to have children in the future. And even if every man, woman, and child in the United States were vaccinated, these products cannot achieve herd immunity and stop COVID. Robert F. Kennedy soon took the podium, affirming Americans want their democracy back. Today, the mechanisms are being put in place that will make it so none of us can run and none of us can hide. And even when they give up, when they close the lockdowns and let us go back to normal, they are not relinquishing the power to do it to you again and again and again. They now have that power, and they will never let it go until we make them let it go. 
Several more speakers, including Dr. Peter McCullough and former 60 Minutes correspondent Laura Logan, were featured in the event, where about 20,000 people were expected to be in attendance. In the meantime, while the Supreme Court recently blocked OSHA's vaccine mandate for employers, businesses now have the decision on whether they'd like to enforce vaccinations up for themselves. And OAN correspondent Cameron Kinsey has more with participants from the event. Okay, so what's your name, sir? Oh, my name is Sam. Sam? Sam. So why are you here today? Well, we're here because we don't want this medical tyranny thing. Because, you know, uh, all the lies behind this, I think we're tired of it. Because, you know, we get a natural immunity and all these uh, mandates thing, I think uh, all the people are uh, very, very tired. And, uh, you know, if we get uh, the natural immunity is better uh, than, the, you know, the vaccine thing, then why we still get a, a second shot, third shot, and a booster and all this stuff, you know. These are junk. I don't. I. Yeah, I think the people are not uh, uh, tired, and they don't want to do it anymore. You know. And so, who is actually implicating this medical tyranny that we're seeing in the United States? Well, I think all these uh, giant companies and pharmaceutical companies. I think they're the ones. I mean, the the, the reason is very simple. I mean, they just want to. Uh, you, they, they want the pandemic never end, and so that they can keep get people uh, uh, vaccinated, and then they keep uh, earning the profit. I mean, that's very simple. They never want the pandemic to end. But we're tired. I mean, there's no pandemic to me. I never wear a mask. I never get a jab. You know, um, and I'm fine. I'm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining me on One American News. Sure, sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, perfect. What's your name? My name's Tonette. And where are you from? I'm from Virginia. And so, why are you here today? I'm here because I'm a health care worker, and I believe in freedom for all and not for some. And right now, health care workers are under the thumb of the mandates. And if it should be freedom for all, not for some. So I'm here to march for, in, the, in the name of freedom. And so have you noticed as a frontline healthcare worker how you guys are put in a difficult position with these, I guess a, a lot of doctors are saying, with these other preventative treatments that you guys aren't uh, able to use? Yeah, I, there are a lot of uh, early treatments that should be being used right now. Uh, a lot of uh, prevention treatments that are uh, far more superior than the vaccines and safer. Uh, ivermectin, for instance, the, the safety index on that is safer than Advil and Tylenol. And so um, to mandate an experimental drug that you can't take back once you put it in your bloodstream is um, it's unconscionable to me. And as a, I, everybody should be, I'm here today to march for the, the freedom to say no. The freedom for body autonomy, the freedom for patients to say, no, this is my body. I realize what the risks are, and I have the right to say no if I want to. So um, I think in the light of how risky it is to take these vaccines, it, it's, um, it's, it's, not, it's not a good choice for people, and they should have the right to say no. And so as you've actually gathered here today with your sign and everything, what have you noticed? Like, what's a common theme amongst, amongst people here and from people who you've heard speak? I think people are, are tired of having their freedom stepped on. I think Americans know that something's not right. 
and um, I think people here are, are ready to stand up and be uncomfortable. I think people are finding their voices. I think uh, the, the masses need to know that they have the power and the, the, the small portions of the population that are putting these mandates and these unconstitutional um, laws or premises on the people, I think people are starting to wake up and I think if you look around, there are people here that are vaccinated, unvaccinated. There are, we are all Americans. We all bleed the same. And our rights don't hinge on the fact of what's in our blood. Our rights hinge on the fact that we have God-given rights. And I think that's the common theme that's going on right now. Thank you for joining me on One American News. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Want to see more videos like this? Visit OANN. All right. I'm glad that people are starting to stand up to the mandates because the mandates are pretty unfair. Okay, well this one's interesting, so here we go. Pfizer's CEO says frequent booster shots, not a good scenario. No. Really? Dude, I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have known at all. Anyways. <laughs> Pfizer's CEO Borla attends, Albert Borla, sorry, attends a ceremony in the southern city of Thessaloniki, Greece, October 12, 2021. Okay. According to the CEO of Pfizer, getting a booster shot every four or five months is not a good scenario. During an interview on Saturday, Albert Borla uh, said the hopes to administer um, said he hopes to administer an annual vaccine. The pharmaceutical biotechnology Corporation chief said it's easier to convince people to get the shot uh, and it's easier for people to remember. Um, he also revealed plans for a new vaccine to combat Omicron and future strains of the virus. We are looking to see if we can create a vaccine that covers Omicron and uh, doesn't forget the other variants, he explained. And that could be a solution unless if um, something completely different comes out. Okay. Borla said Pfizer experts uh, to have vaccine ready to combat Omicron as soon as March. I don't know. He speaks out against his boosters, but he still wants to push and pedal his vaccine. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a the booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and death. <laughs> uh, uh, in, in, against death, I think, very good. Um, and uh, less protection against uh, infection. Now, we are working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results, 
the vaccine will be ready in March. It's hilarious because Omicron recently came out and they're saying, oh, as soon as March. The first time I ever heard of Omicron was around the end of December. I don't know how long it's been out, but that's like the one time that I heard about it. So you're saying that just like when COVID came out, you want to peddle a, an experimental vaccine and put it into people's bodies. Very smart, Borla, very smart. Not to mention that Fauci experimented on children in Africa and India with um, smallpox. Just want to, you know, put that out there. He's also evil as frick. Um, hang on, let me see if I can find that TikTok so you guys can listen to it. I know it's kind of off the topic because it... Shut up. <laughs> because it is uh, Borla that we're talking about, but since Fauci is kind of pushing this whole thing too, I kind of thought, why not talk about him too? Because... Um, he's a jerk. He's awful. If I can find it, let me see here. Ah. The people for what he is an absolute psychopath. We've learned of how he directed experiments at the NIAID in which beagles had their vocal cords removed and their heads enclosed in cages where sand fleas ate them alive. And we've learned of how he fraudulently used PCR tests to illegitimately push a known deadly drug upon tens of thousands of people. And many are now learning that in 1992, under the direction of Anthony Fauci, the NIAID funded drug trials on HIV-positive children. Although many of the children were healthy and asymptomatic, they had merely tested positive via faulty PCR tests administered through New York's Child Welfare Department, who then handed them over to the deadly experiments. Most of the drugs being tested on the children were already known to cause deformities, organ failure, brain damage, and other lethal side effects. And yet, the children were required to continue with the drugs regardless of negative side effects. Those administering the drugs were explicitly told that all adverse side effects they witnessed in the children were being caused by the HIV infection and not the drugs. When parents refused to consent to these barbaric trials, children's services took their kids and placed them with foster families or children's homes where participation in the trial would be assured. When the children resisted the deadly drugs, they were brought to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, where plastic tubes were surgically inserted into their stomachs, and the deadly drugs they were trying to escape were pumped directly into their bodies. Once the children died, their bodies were added to a mass grave in Hawthorne, New York, a large pit with astroturf thrown over it. 
that around the Nuremberg Code and other laws, the state of New York created a special review board comprised of the hospital stakeholders. One may wonder, other than torturing and killing innocent children, what were they trying to accomplish? They already knew of the negative side effects that these drugs were having on adults. But the more we learn about Anthony Fauci, the more we realize that he is an absolute psychopath. And it doesn't matter why psychopaths do what they do. Fauci and his criminal cohorts belong in cages, at the very least. Anthony Fauci is just one old crook in a massive conspiracy. The people are waking. All right. There's another one. Let me see if I can find it. Which one is are they getting? 22 months. There were two videos. Um. Did I? I don't think I. Hang on. Let me see. The people. I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of like everywhere right now. Okay, never mind. I guess I was wrong. Thought for sure there was a second one. Oh, let's share this one real quick. Are you ready? This is 153 pages of the confidential agreement between Moderna and the U.S. government. And it goes back to 2015. What? In 2015. Uh, Frankenstein coronavirus. That's right. The same time Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi published their paper on the new Frankenstein coronavirus. In fact, let's skip down to page 104. It shows that the NIH and Moderna were collaborating with Dr. Barrett. Wow. His signature is on page 106 of the material transfer agreement. But let's get back up to the top of this specific agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring the mRNA tech to Dr. Barrick. But look what they want to make clear. Quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by the NIAID and Moderna. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm? I mean, I've seen ulterior motives before, but usually you see them coming. Did you know that the government co-owns the vaccine? Oh, by the way. This is not part of the Trump's thing. This is, this is not part of that. This is 2015. Hmm. The same government that is now mandating its use owns the vaccine. Hmm. Are you ready? So, I want to show one more here. Let's see if I can find it. It's all about the coronavirus itself. 22 months into COVID, we have all the information needed to paint a clear picture of what's going on. We know that Anthony Fauci, who has done all this before in the 1980s with HIV, AZT, and AIDS, was illegally working with the communist Chinese via the NIH to create a highly contagious bat coronavirus in Wuhan, China. 
We know that the PCR test was used to fraudulently create a flood of false positives to legitimize the FDA's emergency vaccine authorization. We know that the COVID vaccines are not vaccines, but rather highly controversial mRNA tech that failed miserably on its animal trials, a type of gene therapy that several top scientists warn will kill you if you can't keep it from spreading throughout the body, which is exactly what it is doing. We know that no matter how deadly these experimental shots are, the companies selling them will not be held liable. It is all being taken care of by taxpayer dollars. We know that the ingredients are a big secret, and they don't want you to know what's in them. And we know that some are getting saline placebos. But now we are learning what these experimental jabs are actually doing. Dr. Ryan Cole, a pathologist running the biggest independent testing lab in Idaho, described how the mRNA shots are causing serious autoimmune disorders. The first shot stifles the production of lymphocytes, which cripples the immune system, resulting in a massive increase of autoimmune diseases and cancers. The blood work presented by Dr. Nathan Thompson shows the same. And after receiving the second shot, their immune system begins to fail even more. According to one of the top virologists running this program, you need the booster shot because your immune system is now failing as a result of getting the previous two shots. The data consistently shows that these shots are causing massive cellular mutation throughout the entire body, often wherever the recipient is most vulnerable. We know that some of these shots are contaminated with mysterious objects that appear to grow into other objects. For what purpose, we don't know. But we do know that our government along with the entire pop culture media machine, are blocking life-saving treatments while keeping them for themselves, while pushing the deadly kill shot on the public and creating a segregated society. We know without a doubt that these mRNA injections are killing people. While some may get lucky with saline placebo, 22 months into... So yeah. That's what's going on with the um, vaccine at the moment. So, <sighs> listen, I don't care if you get the shot or not. I just don't want anyone to. I'm. I do care, but I can't make someone be like not taking the shot. I guess I can't. I can't make anybody do what you know they don't want to do. But I wish everyone who is scared of this virus could wake up and, you know, just kind of realize that, you know, you guys are better off without it. I know that there are people in the hospitals dying from this. I understand this. But you also have to understand that there are doctors and um, managers of these hospitals are also being told to put corona on the death certificate instead of heart attack, stroke, all of that other stuff, just to make people afraid.
I just care about my listeners. I care about um, everyone who, you know, is out there afraid of it. Don't think that taking the vaccine is going to help because it's not. It hasn't. There are more people that are dying from the vaccine than the coronavirus itself. And I can sit here and tell you how many things, like how many reasons there are not to take this vaccine. But ultimately, it is up to you to take it or not. I hope you don't. Because, like I said, you're better off without it. But if you do... I just pray that you have a very good immune system to fight it off. Okay, here is one last one uh, for politics. Honestly, I feel like this should be uh, world news, maybe. But, um... It says, audio emerges of synagogue terrorist final call to family. The Texas synagogue attack... Okay, so it is in Texas. Um, Terrorists make a disturbing final phone call to his family during Saturday's standoff. There's more on that audio obtained exclusively by the Jewish Chronicle. Chilling new audio emerges of one of the last phone calls made by Texas synagogue terrorist Malik Akram. In the call obtained exclusively by the Jewish Chronicle, Akram is heard making anti-American and anti-Semitic remarks. The 44-year-old suggested he wants to be a martyr for jihadists and called on other terrorists to come to the U.S. and attack Americans. I'm opening the door for every youngster to enter America and f*** with them. I'm, why does Afghanistan always have to have a defensive war? Why can't these thick Taliban enter America and have a defensive war? Why do we need these motherfuckers to come to our country and do f- battle and we can't come in their countries, they're coming to our countries, rape our women, f- our kids and we can't come in their countries and f- them. So you know what, I'm setting the precedent today. He further encouraged violence and for extremist youth to enter the U.S. and start a war. It is still unclear how Akram entered the U.S. without setting off any federal alarms. On Saturday, Akram entered Congregation Beth Israel in Texas and took four hostages. He was shot dead after an 11-hour standoff. Meantime, officials in Britain announced on Thursday that two other men have been arrested in connection with the attack. Want to see more videos like this? Visit... That really upsets me. It's not just the whole shooting itself, but the whole... How in the world did he... how, How did he get into the U.S.? How did he get into the U.S., guys? Okay. One of the main reasons why Donald Trump wanted to build a wall around the Mexican border, okay, is because terrorists would have found that a weak point to enter the U.S. to do exactly what this man did. 
and everyone who voted for Biden, and everyone who decided to go against Trump's decisions, guess what? You're to blame for this. I don't have anything to say, I'm really upset. I got four more stories to read y'all. Alright, so let me find them and I'll give you guys a break. Alright, next is news that I want to share with you guys, so let's go. Okay, I've never heard of a pastor, like, um, arresting people who decide to stand up and interrupt the sermon, but... It all depends on what they say, but this is all about Joe Olsen being heckled during a church uh, sermon uh, not too long ago. Well, okay, never mind. I don't know. It was recently, it recently got back up into the news, but it says this news segment is from six years ago, but... This cell phone video comes from this morning's 11 a.m. service at Lakewood Church. But the clapping isn't for what you might think. Thank you for your patience. Houston police tell us a number of hecklers showed up today to Joel Osteen's house of worship. He jumped up with his Bible screaming, shame on you, Joel, shame on you, Joel. And Joel kind of just repeated scripture and just they escorted him out. Casey Eaglin was a few seats away from one of the protesters. I was terrified for a quick second there. Uh, after the first guy, I was like, okay, just a random heckler. But then you start seeing the second, the third. In total, detectives tell us they escorted out and arrested six people. Lakewood officials say the hecklers were from the Church of Wells, a controversial group out of Wells, Texas, that promotes oh a revivalist form of Christianity. So, I mean, I think it was a very poor taste. Eaglin is just thankful for the quick response of Lakewood security. For a second there, I started thinking, about the, the church shooting that happened and I was saying, oh God, something bad's about to happen, but they, they were real quick. Lakewood Church tells us a number of their volunteer ushers are in law enforcement in their arms so they can react to anything like what happened here today. So far, these hecklers have been charged with criminal trespassing. We've also reached out to the Church of Wells. No word yet back from them. Okay. The one thing that I... What? Joel Osteen and Kanye West... Okay, you know what? We all know that Joel Osteen is just selling himself. We gotta tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes car insurance. Sorry about that, I forgot to press pause. <laughs> anyway, um, I was just trying to say that... I don't know, I feel like Joel Osteen is just in it for the money. You know how there are some sleazy pastors out there that, you know, they'll, they'll peddle the word just in order to get offerings and, and all of that. And we do know that uh, not too long ago, because um, I read an article about this, um, I want to say last month, about how 
Someone was trying to do construction with um, one of the bathrooms in the Lakewood Church, and they found tons and tons of envelopes, like offering envelopes, hidden in the walls of the church. I don't know why they- I don't know why Jill Olsen would do something like that. Because the church is tax-exempt anyways, so everything that he receives, it goes to his church. So I don't understand why he would do something like that. But whatever, you know, um, I believe that whatever is done in the dark, yes, it will be brought to the light. And yes, I did just quote Johnny Cash. He's saying the truth, okay? Um, no, I just don't like him. I don't think that he um, really believes in Jesus. When he inherited his father's um, church, he felt like he wasn't good enough, so he just decided to try and sell Jesus as a business instead of actually, um, you know, preaching the word and caring about the congregation's hearts and stuff like that. But, um, the Church of Wells, that's interesting. That That's really weird. Um, I have learned about the Church of Wells uh, somewhere. I think it might have been on YouTube. YouTube has many documentaries about cults, so, um, and researching cults and, and stuff like that, that's something that I do for the podcast. It's not something that I, I like to do as a hobby, um, but... I did watch something about um, the Church of Wells and how um, abusive they are to the congregation and all of that. So whether or not that's actually true, um, dude, you got the Church of Wells <laughs> to get mad at you, which honestly, I don't want to say he's doing something right, but I just feel like Joel Osteen and the Church of Wells are both cults. That's just me. <laughs> They're both cults that want to out each other. I don't even know. I don't even know. I just don't like Joel Osteen. He has a huge mansion, has never done missions, likes to talk to um, Oprah in interviews and we all know that she doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. She believes that she's her own God, which is something that correlates to Satanism. So yeah, why would he be affiliating himself with someone like that? Not only that, I know he's got private jets. I know he is keeping a lot of that money for himself. How in the world do you think he got his mansion? Okay, any pastor to me who has a mansion, four jets, and would rather fly in his private jet than actually sitting next to people that he might actually be able to touch and witness to, um, is not a pastor to me. It, they're not preachers, they're not people that I would trust at all with my life or even for, you know, a prophecy over me. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I would rather have someone as humble from the street who actually is preaching on the streets getting heckled by people 
saying, oh, shut up, we don't want to hear you. But he's still preaching the word. I would trust his word over Joel Osteen's, Jesse Duplantis's, Creflo Dollar, Paula White, Kenneth Copeland, all of those rich country club looking pink panty wearing pastors. Alright, I, I don't care about them. I would rather be a part of a ministry that believes in missions and that believes that the money should go to people that need it the most. When you are, when people are taking up offering, when people are giving their last dollar to their church, you're not going to get blessed. You know where that's going? Into the pastor's pocket. It's one of the reasons why I refuse to go to church anymore. It's because I learned that. Oh, it goes to the church. It doesn't go to people that need it. It goes to the church. It goes into the pastor's pocket. You're keeping him rich. And you're sitting there still clapping and cheering him on while you can't afford your next meal. Yeah, that that's the gospel right there. Okay, here we go. These are 10 facts about the lungs, and this is from Mental Floss, so. Every cell in your body needs oxygen in order to function properly. Your lungs are obviously crucial in achieving this goal. Once you take air into your lungs, oxygen enters the bloodstream and moves through your body. Each cell um, makes a trade, exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide which your bloodstream um, transports back to the lungs when you exhale. <sighs> wow, that's a quick... That's very quick. <clears throat> You're actually expelling carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and water vapor. So, how does your body make this happen? Bronchital tubes connect your lungs to your throat and mouth. Uh, these are lined with tiny little hairs called cilia that move uh, in wave-like patterns, uh, which pushes mucus up to your throat. At the base of the bronchial tubes um, are tiny air sacs that, uh, that hold the air you breathe in, um, called the alveoli. Um, <laughs> your right lung is three balloon has three like balloon like oh my gosh <laughs> has three balloon like sections called lobes which are full of spongy tissue your left lung has only two lobes uh to make room for your heart they sit in a single or on a special membrane called the pleura and separates your lungs from the wall of your chest. Um, altogether, your lungs are a highly efficient machine, and they do a lot more than you might think. So, number one, taking in oxygen is only one of your lungs' most important jobs. 
Yes, you need oxygen to live, but if you didn't expel the carbon dioxide in your lungs, you would die. Um, carbon dioxide acts as an acid in the body and is generated by muscle action. Uh, Wendy Howland, a nurse with Howland Health uh, Consulting, tells Mental Flaws, uh, Your body operates optimally at a fairly narrow pH range. And when you generate uh, extra CO2 by, say, running up the stairs, you bring your pH into a normal range almost immediately by exercising or by exerting CO2 by breathing deeply. So exhaling that more toxic CO2 is as important as taking in oxygen. So you have to exhale as much CO2 out of your body just as much as you inhale oxygen. That makes sense. Think of your lungs as big old buckets, uh, number two. Rather than thinking of your lungs as big balloons, Kaskari says, uh, think of your lungs as buckets of blood with air bubbles uh, going through them. In fact, your lungs contain as much blood as the entire rest of your body, which is why your, the, your center of gravity is above your waist. They produce blood cells as well. Every time your heart beats, it sends an equal amount of blood to your lungs as it does everywhere else in your body. It is this incredible system that, it, it, that can respond respire an exchange of gas from the air to the blood and the lungs without leaking. The fact that uh, that goes in that goes on day to day out uh, for your whole life is pretty amazing he says. Number three your lungs are huge mm. I have an itch give me I can't yawn with this neck pain I'm mad. <laughs> anyway, your lungs are one of your biggest organs, uh, but you might be surprised to learn that if you spread out the surface area of the alveoli, the sacs are oxygen, where oxygen and blood interface, you could cover the entire tennis court. Um, oh wow, okay. Let's see. Without mucus, your lungs would dry up. Oh. You may not be a big fan of mucus when it's clogging your chest or um, nose during a cold, but it's a highly underrated, powerful infection-fighting agent um, in your body, which has <clears throat> some pretty cool features, says Ray Cascari a pulmonologist at St. Joseph Hospital in Orange, California. It is actually cleaner than blood. Ew, really? Ew. See, every time I, like, I get a cold or something like that, I have to like cough up the music mucus, and it's the most unpleasing things I have ever experienced. Because, ugh, but I understand. I understand what they're talking about. Because if you don't have mucus, then all that bacteria is building up in your, you know, lungs and in your throat and in the rest of your body. 
But um, if you take bacteria to expose and expose it to mucus, the mucus will stop the growth of the bacteria. Whereas blood will um, actually support the growth of the bacteria. In fact, researchers in laboratories have often deliberately used uh, blood to grow bacteria. Well, that's gross. Um, your mucus is such an important um, protective agent that you die without it. If you didn't have mucus in your lungs, you would dehydrate, losing so much water through evaporation uh, that you would die within minutes, he says. On the other hand, too much mucus production is dangerous. Oh, wow. Whatever you inhale quickly. Okay, hang on. If you have too much mucus production, it's still dangerous because there's some good bacteria that might get caught in that, right? And that might keep you sick. Um, whatever you inhale quickly goes from your lungs to your brain. Um, uh, I need to yawn, but my body won't let me. <sighs> Never mind. <coughs> and under seven seconds to be precise. Oh, hang on. And under seven seconds to be precise, because of your lungs' enormous surface area, it's an intimate relationship with blood vessels that surround it, says Scott Schroeder, director of pediatric pulmonary medicine at the Floating Hospital of Tufts Medical Center. An inhalation... That was such a mouthful, it took half of the article up. Um, an inhalation of smoke or a vaporized medicine can reach the brain very quickly. Oh, wow. Coughing isn't always bad for your lungs. When you aren't sick, a normal person coughs about 10 times per day, says Schroeder, uh, whether due to a sickly piece of food, or a sticky piece of food, <laughs> um, an allergen, or you accidentally inhale um, on your own, or, or your own mucus generated by exercise. Okay, so coughing is normal. Asthma isn't just one disease affecting lung function. Asthma, which causes wheezing, coughing, and shortness of breath, is actually a number of different ha is actually a number of different illnesses under one name. Uh, Shorter says, uh, "The good news is that deaths due to asthma are very uncommon and have uh, decreased significantly over the last 20 years." He reports with. Uh, one notable exemption. African American men age 18 to 24. Mm. Um, but it doesn't affect everyone equally. Women are much more likely to develop asthma as adults than men, um, especially if they are overweight. And people in urban areas are more likely to suffer from asthma than those in rural areas likely due to increased uh, particulate matter in the air from uh, car exhaust and industrial pollutants. Exercise can make asthma and your lungs function better. Alright. Asthma is actually improved by cardiovascular exercise. Schroeder says there are no sports that people with asthma cannot participate in, except scuba diving but I don't consider that sport. <laughs> um, 
You can get lung cancer even if you've never smoked. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, you can spend your whole life in a very clean environment ever, um, or never having smoked and still get lung cancer, Kaskari says. Not all lung cancer is caused by cigarette smoking. Um, Kaskari cites occupational exposure, radiation exposure, and potential uh, genetic risk factors, although um, researchers are uh, still exporting the whole role genetics play. Folks tend to uh, think of their lungs very little, and when they do, they think, I don't smoke, so I'm okay, but it's not completely true. Number 10. Breakthroughs in lung cancer treatments have um, improved uh, survival rates. For decades, toxic uh, uh, chemotherapy medicine has the best medicine for treating lung cancer, but it comes with intense side effects. However, several new breakthroughs have recently um, improved outcomes for patients, says Kaskari. Improve uh, survival by 20% by providing uh, earlier diagnosis and treatments. Furthermore, new minimally invasive surgery techniques have made uh, recovery from lung cancer surgery much easier with people being discharged in the same day of surgery. Finally, um, immunotherapies that target specific cancer markers um, had or and harness the immune system itself to fight cancer uh, cells have improved outcomes and decreased side effects for lung cancer patients. All right. This last one here is about, it's from lifehacker.com, the psychological benefits of writing regularly. I love to write. I write on Wattpad a lot. Um, don't ask me for it. I don't know if I've actually advertised it or not, but I like to keep all of my profile separate, especially since I talk about some, like, very serious stuff on Rogue Radio. I don't want anybody seeing my face. I don't want anybody, like, um, finding out where I live and stuff like that, so. But anyway, when you attempt to envision a writer, I imagine if you see a quirky recluse hunched over a desk in some cabin crumpled papers strewn about as they obsessively work on the next great American novel. But writing is so much more. Um, this post originally appeared on the Help Scout blog. Um, prose is a thought about... Uh, prose is a thought of put... <laughs> God. It's a thought put to page which makes all of us writers, even if we don't have the chops to tangle with Faulkner, um, in most cases, writing is most useful as a tool for thinking, expression, and creativity. Cabin-dwelling novelists be damned. Um, let's look 
at some of the benefits of making writing a, a regular habit. So, um, therapeutic aspects of writing. Um, much of the research on the writing and happiness uh, deals with expressive writing or jotting down what you think you or what you think and how you feel. Even blogging undoubtedly efforts or affords similar benefits um, to provide expressive writing in terms of therapeutic value. Expressive writing has also been linked to improved mood, well-being, and reduced stress levels for those who do it regularly, says Adam Grant. Research by Laura King shows that writing about um, achieving future goals, dreams, or and dreams can make people happier and healthier. Um, and Jane Dutton and I found that when people you are doing stressful, frustrating jobs uh, kept a journal for a few days about how their work made a difference, they increased their hourly effort by 29% over the next two weeks. I also have a journal. <laughs> Uh, being a recovery coach is something, it can get stressful at times, but, you know, sometimes we have those quiet days where the client doesn't want to come out of their room or they just don't want to talk to anybody because they don't feel like they feel out of place. I mean, every client is different. So, um, in those times when, um, you know, whether they're frustrating or quiet, I will sit down and start you know, writing about my day, writing about, you know, things in depth that I'm experiencing at work and stuff like that. And there have been times where, um, you know, it's been shown that my work is appreciated by the clients as well. And I love that. Um, there have been times where they would draw me something and I would stick it in my journal or they would write something and give it to me and I'll stick it in my scrap journal. I scrap journal too, so, you know, whatever um, I experience that day, whether I go to the movies, I put a, you know, a movie ticket stub uh, in there. Or if I had a really great dinner with my family, I stick the receipt, you know, in the journal and stuff like that. Just some, you know, cool things. I put stickers and you know, write with colorful pens. I'm a child at heart, I guess, but, um, it's a way for me to journal and scrapbook at the same time. And, um, I like that. It makes journaling a little bit more fun instead of actually just like, um, journaling in a clean, um, organized journal. I don't feel like writing should be so controlled. I think it should just be very creative. Uh, no matter what it is and personally I'm a creative person so I like to draw and I like to put things in my journal just to make it look more interesting to me um, moreover laziness uh, with words creates uh, difficulty in describing feelings sharing experiences and communicating with others being able to flesh out thoughts um, in your mind only to have them come stumbling out when you speak it's supremely speak is supremely frustrating uh, fortunately regular writing seems to offer some uh, reprieve uh, with uh, both emotional intelligence and 
in hard scientists like mathematics, writing has been shown to help people communicate highly complex ideas more effectively. Writing helps eliminate um, it sounded good in my head by forcing your hand brains um, for give fuzzy wait what? Brains forgive fuzzy abstractions. Prose does not. Okay. Um, writing can help you handle hard times. Um, in one study it, that followed recently fired engineers, the um, researchers found that these engineers who, con or who consistently engaged with um, expressive writing were able to find another job faster, says Adam Grant. The engineers who wrote down their thoughts and feelings about losing their jobs reported feeling less anger or hostility towards their former employer. Um, they also reported uh, drinking less eight months later, less than 19% of the engineers in the control groups were re-employed full-time um, compared to more than 52% uh, of the engineers in the expressive writing group. According to um, an older study, writing about traumatic events uh, actually made the particip participants more depressed. Um, until about six months later, when the uh, emotional benefit started to stick. Um, one participant noted, Although I have not talked with anyone about what I wrote, I was finally able to deal with it. Uh, work through the pain instead of trying to block it out. Now it doesn't hurt to think about it. It seems that uh, timing is critical for the expressive writing to have an impact. Uh, forcing the process to happen uh, may actually worsen things. If, but if writing is an activity that is engaged in naturally, uh, the benefits seem clear. Writing and gratitude. Um, as the authors of one study noted, subjects who reflected on the good things in their life once a week by writing them down were more positive and motivated about their current um, situations and futures. Uh, the catch was, when they wrote about them every day, the benefits were minimal. These, or this makes sense. Uh, any activity can feel disingenuous and just plain boring if done too often. It seems like the key is to reflect and write about gratitude regularly, but not begrudgingly often. Writing helps to manage your mental tabs. Have you ever heard, or have you ever had too many internet tabs open at once? It, it is a madhouse of distraction when I feel like my brain has too many tabs open at once. It's often to result of trying to mentally juggle too many thoughts at the same time. Writing gives a form to your ideas and gets them out of your head, freeing up bandwidth and preventing you from crashing your browser like a late night downward spiral on Wikipedia. I've personally never felt inclined to not work 
uh, on something just because I archived the idea with some notes or an outline. In fact, I am more likely to continue developing that idea since it has... And the website decided to make the page go blank. Really? That really upset me. Oh. What's going on? Give me a second. I don't feel like pausing it because I'd have to go to a different window. Although I have not talked with anyone. Okay, we've already gotten to that part. Let's see here. Mental tabs. There we go. Writing gives a form of your ideas and gets them out of your head, freeing up bandwidth and preventing you from chasing, crashing your browser uh, like a late night downward spiral on Wikipedia. Uh, I personally never felt inclined to work on something just because I archived the idea. Um, it has already been started. Uh, all of these fails remember this joke. I remember this joke from Mitch Hedberg. Uh, I sit in, at my hotel at night, I think of something that's funny, and then I go get a pen and write it down. Or if the pen's too far away, I have to convince myself that I thought what I thought of isn't funny. Um, writing and learning. Okay. There's so many pop-ups on this website, I'm really upset. Um, information often sticks, uh, with- sticks better when it's learned as though it needs to be taught or rewritten in your own words. So, repetition, basically, is imperative to learning. Like, if you write it down. Some people learn that way, though. Some people learn to write things down. Just like, you know, when you take notes in class, you do your best to make sure that you get the teacher's words exactly, or whatever's on the chalkboard. Same concept. This concept is a is <laughs> of having a writer's ear never fully clicked with me until I started writing regularly. Um, there's a certain discipline required to create uh, interesting written work that demands the individual to be receptive and focused on finding new sources of information, inspiration, and insight. I've read books, listened to podcasts and radio. Have you listened to Rogue Radio? <laughs> and watched videos I would normally have put off in order to learn something new so that I might write about later. Um, simply being a curator of good ideas encourages deeper thinking, research, and healing, or heading down the rabbit hole in order to find uh, unique takes on topics that matter to you. Uh, committing to creating a volume of work also allows you to tackle big ideas more effectively. 
Um, writing down a certain topic for some time will allow you to build off older thoughts, utilizing what have already what you've already uh, written to develop ideas uh, on a grander scale. I'm sure many writers have often written a paragraph that led to an essay, which led to a series of articles, which led to a book. Um, writing as leadership as scale. At scale, okay. Um, though the world may not may now be drowning under the personal brand deluge know what I just said. Uh, there are sincerely interesting opportunities that anyone can publish uh, world brings out. That doesn't make any sense, but the ability to uh, leave an impact at scale with your words alone is an astounding concept, but there's a bit of a creative shock to the first time someone emails you thanking you for your work you've put out and uh, sharing how it has helped or influenced them uh, without a doubt the positive feedback of this leadership at scale leads to gratitude and further motivation for the writer um, even in the face of criticism writers learn to build thick skins like few others criticism even unwarranted is a breakfast of champions. And that's that article. It just abruptly ends. Okay, first up is Uruguay. So here we go. Um, 24 ex-South American officials sentenced for role in Operation Condor. In Italy, 24 people were sentenced to life in prison for their roles in Operation Condor in which South Af uh, Americans, uh, American countries, uh, conspired to kill tens of thousands of political opponents in the 1970s and 80s. 23 Italians were among the, those killed as part of the campaign of coordinated terror and assassinations carried out by the U.S.-backed dictatorships of Chile, Argentina, Bolivia, um, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Um, Operation Condor was coordinated out of Chile when, or then under dictatorship um, Augusto uh, Pinochet. Um, and with the knowledge of the U.S. government in particular, uh, then Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Um, among those uh, sentenced were former Peruvian President Francisco uh, Morales Bermudez and former Bolivian Interior Minister of the Foreign Uruguayan Foreign Ministry, Minister and former top Chilean um, intelligence chief, but one of the 24 were sentenced um, in Ab in absentia. Um, let's see. New York prosecutors charged. Okay, that's something else. <laughs> um, since that was very short, we're gonna try something else too. 
Electrical grid failure causes massive blackout in South America. Let's try that one. I don't like how they, like, kind of bunch up every country into one continent, which is fine, but I feel like every country has their own news. Anyway, in South America, power has um, been partially restored after a massive outage uh, hit uh, Argentina and Uruguay and parts of Paraguay on Sunday. Officials say unprecedented blackout occurred after a failure in the transmission of electricity from a um, hydroelectric dam that feeds a regional electrical grid. Um, Argentina uh, has vowed to fully investigate the reasons for the system's failure. Okay, South Korea, you're next. Let's see here. Seoul says North Korea has fired projectile into the sea. North or South Korea says North Korea has fired an unidentified projectile into the North's uh, eastern sea um, in what appears to be its second weapons launch in a week. The firing of the projectile comes as North Korea continues to demonstrate its military um, might amid self-imposed pandemic lockdown and deadlock nuclear talks with the United States. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff and the North fired, or said the North fired, uh, at least one weapon earlier today but didn't immediately say whether it was ballistic or how far it flew. The launch came six days after the North Korean, the North uh, fired a ballistic missile into the sea on January 5th in what it later described as a successful test of hypersonic missile. Um, That test came days after North Korean leader Kim Jong-un during a key political conference, vowed to bolster his military forces despite pandemic-related difficulties. U.S.-led diplomacy... I can't read today. Uh, North Korea's nuclear program has been stalled since 2019 due to disputes over international sanctions on the North. Oh, wow. Alright, this one is from Angola. I hope I'm saying that right. But US bans Angolan billionaire Isabel Dos Santos for corruption. The United States has sanctioned Angolan billionaire Isabel Dos Santos along with her nuclear family um, for her involvement in significant corruption, marking the first US public response for years or Um, response to years of accusations and wrongdoing. According to the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, uh, Dos Santos, the daughter of Angola's former longtime 
autocratic president Jose Eduardo dos Santos uh, used her position to engage to engage in corruption by misappropriating public funds for her personal benefit. The International um, Consortium of Investigative Journalism's um, Londa Leaks <laughs> um, details two decades of insider de- deals that made Dos Santos rich and left oil and diamond rich Angola um, one of the poorest on the planet. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that usually how the, the elites do it? Take all the resources and all the money, make themselves rich, and let the people starve. Um, on the same day as Blinken's announcement, um, International Anti-Corruption Day, um, December 9th, the U.S. Department of the Treasury also announced uh, sanctions against two former Angolan uh, government officials. The department said uh, Leo Poldino... Uh, Frangoso do Nascimento and Manuel Helder Vieira Diaz Jr. Uh, it is, but that's alright. It's good for pronunciation. Um, stole billions of dollars uh, from the Angolan government through embezzlement. These are really small articles. I'm kind of mad. <laughs> That is all for Rogue Radio today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Also, just want to welcome Malaysia and um, Singapore for listening as well. Uh, Thank you guys for joining the Rogue Army. We are strong. And um, I will see you guys in the trenches next time. Bye. Bye.